Hi, I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Welcome to my new podcast focused on the future, keys to building a profitable, sustainable, and impactful business. And I am excited to be partnering with wealthmanagement.com on this. This series will focus on what firms need to embrace to ensure their growth and success for the future. And you'll hear from industry leaders and advisors on what is working for them. The content is directed at firms that are already successful and looking to stay that way, and also for those who are focused on taking their firms to that next level. I have a great lineup of guests in store, and today I'm talking with Trap Cloman. Trap is the president and COO of Commonwealth Financial Network. Trap, great to see you. Thank you for being here today and get your perspective on what you think it takes to be successful now and in the future. Uh, yeah, it's great to be here. I'm honored uh, to be included. Uh, you, you've had some great guests and very excited about the topic. So thank you. I think it's very timely. Great. Thanks again. And I wanted to start off your podcast with some recent news that I think is pretty impressive. J.D. Power announced that their advisor satisfaction list and on, I think it was maybe in July, right? Mid-July. And yes. Commonwealth was named as the top broker dealer for the 10th year in a row. So why do you think that is? What are advisors looking for that your firm has been able to provide, right? Advisors are, love you all, but you're a hard group to please. So <laughs> what's what are you guys doing right? What are they looking for? What are those key areas? Yeah, it's pretty cool. We're, we're, we're thrilled and we really appreciate our advisors uh, thinking so highly of us. It's one thing to win once, any type of award, and there are various ways to go about that. What I'm so proud of is the fact that we have won this 10 times, and we've won it every time. And that really reflects how Joe and the original partners, many of who are, you know, most of who are still here helping lead the firm, are uh, really built an incredibly strong foundation. That doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by luck. It really started 40 years ago. Uh, if you will, and it's been a culmination of, of all that time and energy. And I, I think to really boil it down, having been in the industry almost 20 years now and seeing a lot of different business models, the business, you're in business to serve the customer. You have to start with the relationship and then build around that. That's your mission. You really need to focus on what the inputs are and what you can control and your reason for being, your purpose, and then recognize what are the outputs of that work and that effort and that energy. And I think Commonwealth and Joe, Wayne, Rich, Andrew, Joni, all the other leaders who really helped build Commonwealth over the years really started with that mindset. And we worked very hard not to waver uh, from that. So we put our uh, advisors first and we know if we take care of them versus focusing on outputs that are less under our control, that success will come. And that's exactly what we're seeing with the 10th JD Power Award. We're very honored by that. It's something we do like to have fun with and celebrate at Commonwealth. But at the same time, something we don't take for granted. You almost start from scratch next year. And one of the things I love about uh, our business model, and we're not unique in this regard, but advisors have choice. They can move. And if you ever take that for granted, and take your eye off the ball, it's really making sure we take care of our existing advisors. And each year is a fresh start and a fresh opportunity to have raving fans. So that's really, I think, what it comes down to is starting with our existing advisors, making sure we do a great job for them, and we know success will fall from that. I love that you mentioned purpose. And I feel like that is a word that has been reiterated throughout every 
podcast episode. So I wonder why that is, right? There's always buzzwords, but that purpose is becoming really an important quality, an important mindset to really keep in mind. And again, so impressive. I love that you're like, hey, every year is a different year. Advisors have a choice. If you don't, if you take your eye off the ball and take things for granted, you really can have a disruption. (laughs) But I want to understand how do you balance requests? And for advisors that are listening to this, it doesn't have to be, it could be your own team. How do you balance the requests that come from your clients versus what you can actually do. So I'm sure every day there's something in your inbox. Can you take care of this? Or I want this product on the platform, or I like this technology offering, or I don't like this person. And how do you balance the ask versus the delivery? Yeah, um, that's part of the challenge. That's why it's not easy and why not everyone can do it. And when we, we do at times struggle, uh, we're, we're certainly not perfect. That oftentimes is the root of it, balancing all the different competing needs uh, of your community. Uh, I, I think it starts with listening to the feedback. Our, our feedback tool, I, I feel, is incredible, where every advisor, um, when they're navigating on uh, you know our site, there's a button on literally every single page where they can immediately submit feedback. And we have about 100 people plus, 100 people plus, who every morning, that's the first email we get. We see all the feedback from the t- last 24 hours. And almost as important, if it's been claimed and responded to, and our goal is to have claimed and responded to it, maybe not resolved because you can't resolve everything in 24 right. hours, but an advisor knows they've been heard every day. And so that is extremely powerful. And then also every advisor has mine, Wayne's, and the rest of the management teams they have our email, obviously, but they also have our phone number to call us. And so we really try and make our Excel, uh, excels, ourselves accessible to as much feedback as we can get. We really think that listening to our customer is something we do better than most, uh, if not the best. And that gives you uh, a, a complete set of data as you can get. And then also, of course, we you know, survey the industry, talk to industry experts. You and I have had great conversations in the past about what we're seeing and hearing in the industry. and. It's not about right or wrong. Uh, There isn't much right or wrong in this regard. It's about trying to balance everything. And so when there are burning issues coming in, something's broken, people can't perform and support their clients and meet the needs of their community, those things get prioritized. You got to be a firefighter running in and putting out that fire. And then the next fire comes and we have tremendous people who who are wonderful at putting out fires, but you also need a team that's, huh, looking at the root cause and why are are these fires happening? And so we have another area dedicated to go finding out those root cause issues and solving those. And so it's really about balancing your plate because if all you do is fight fires, they're going to keep happening and you're not going to get better. If you ignore your clients, your advisors and their immediate needs because you're just looking towards the future, then you're also going to have some dissatisfied customers. So it's really finding that balance of resources and then the critical last part of you know th- this whole flywheel, if you will, is the communication of it. So you might be doing a great job behind the scenes, breaking your back for somebody, but if you're not communicating and if they don't know you've taken their feedback, claimed it, let them know you're working on it and set expectations, you, you might actually do a good job. But if they aren't feeling it because you didn't communicate well, it can still be a very bad experience. And if you're not laying out the roadmap of where we're going and why, 
And conversely, as I said, there's no right or wrong, but we can't do everything. I love how you frame the question, sharing why we're not doing this now or why we can't do it now. So the communication, if we don't wrap all the work we're doing with great communication, then it's not going to work nearly as well as it should. And again, to be honest, we're not always perfect here. That There are times where we might misallocate, we might miss nailing the communication. And that's when we see the frustration come back. But again, because we have that feedback loop, we hear it quickly. And then the firefighters rush in, the root cause people rush in and we get back on track. I love, that's so cool. I love that you have feedback buttons on out parts of your site. Yeah, yeah. But I also <laughs> like the overall finding this balance between the present, taking care of the present and building for the future. And I think that is something that so many business people struggle with. But that communication aspect, it doesn't matter if nobody knows about it. I say that all the time. I'm like, communicate it out. Even if it's not great news, it's better. They're going to hear about it eventually. So you, you yeah. it, the message should come from you. And you're uniquely positioned here being in, in the business you've been where you've run a business. So you know that balance of having to put out fires, but also making sure you're building towards the future. And you're in the communication business. I, I, I think really helping people understand, especially a lot of more smaller entrepreneurial businesses that perhaps didn't have the resources you and I have, yeah. you're really understanding how to tackle that, I, I think is critical. Yeah. And we like to spend a lot of our time with our advisors, especially on the communication and marketing side to really help them in that regard. Yeah. I find when I'm talking to advisors, it's so interesting because I'm that's my area of expertise, right? I'm not so great at other areas. And so that when someone is struggling in, the, in an area that you find like not easy, but I've been doing it a long time, it's interesting, but you forget that not everybody has that same skill set. And so even just uncovering what clients may need, what advisors may need, and understanding that it's not all like the same as how you would think is, I think, another important piece. Yeah. So with the- well, um, Just on that real quick, what yeah. I love about our ecosystem is advisors at, are phenomenal and they have the most valuable asset along the value chain, which is knowing the client. They're the closest to the client in this age of data and AI, et cetera. That's still not being displaced. And so as you look at a value chain, you do need to identify what is commoditized and then what is of the highest value with the most protection. And I'm thrilled that the advisors have that with the client. And so as you think about the ecosystem and our role, you said it so well, not everyone can be everything. And in these smaller entrepreneurial businesses, it, it you don't have the size and scale necessarily to have every skill you might need. And that's where having a great business partner and finding yeah. the right business partner in the industry to fill uh, those gaps and those needs is critical. And so it's just as, as we think about our business model and how we talk and work with our advisors, that's a huge part of our relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I always, when I'm talking to people about marketing and strategy, communications, I'm like, you have to outsource some stuff that are very specialized tasks because mm -hmm. you, you're not going to have the scale. You're not going to have the, the amount of, you're not going to have the amount of resources to have individuals that can do all of these little specialty things. And so I think that is really important when you're selecting a partner, right? There's who they're partnering with to help execute on their vision because they can't, most of them, there's some that are very large that can, but most of the industry are these smaller entrepreneurial businesses. So really identifying what you 
which partners you want to work with because they're really the ones that are going to be helping you build your business. Yeah. And I, I, what I love about this business is it's about human personal relationships, the advice with their clients, and their communities. And likewise, one of the things that Joe and the founding partners built was Commonwealth as a community with our advisors. So that's what really energizes the whole firm, including myself. But what I also like about what you're just saying is we can bring in the data element, the advisors that know where the strengths are, where the differentiators are, and where they draw energy from, dedicate your time there and then find partners, outsource firms like Commonwealth that can be your partner. And the data shows those are the firms that grow the best uh, year after year. To me, that's really, you know, again, there's no right or wrong. Different offices will outsource different things. But knowing yourself and knowing what your partners can bring and then really drawing upon that, it, you, you see it in the, the, their client satisfaction, the advisor satisfaction, and the growth and health of the overall firm. Yeah. And keeping with that theme, you highlighted one of them, but what are some other key areas that you're seeing some of the top firms that you work with at Commonwealth implementing and offering both at their firms, but also to their clients. So you mentioned really understanding where to outsource, who selecting various partners, but what are some of the other key areas that you're seeing um, some of your top firms do really well? Sure. I, I think it, it starts both for our advisors, but Commonwealth follows the uh, same principle, which is knowing what business you're in and not trying to be everything to everyone. So our most successful advisors, and frankly, I I feel virtually all our advisors are incredibly successful. We're very lucky to work with some of the best advisors, some of the best people in the industry, but they really know their businesses and they know the clients they want to work with and they know the value that they're trying to deliver to those clients and they can articulate it well. And so likewise, that's what we work on with our advisors. We're not trying to serve everyone in the industry. We'd spread ourselves thin. It goes back to what you were saying earlier. How do you balance all the different value you can create? If you're trying to be everything to everyone, you're really going to dilute that offering. And that stands for us. It stands for the advisors. But some of the more actionable things we're seeing right now in this marketplace, you know, M&A has definitely become a a much more uh, part of the uh, advisor life cycle. Uh, both as we see advisors looking to build more of an uh, uh, enterprise practice because they can bring more services and capabilities to their clients, but also to help with their succession and next-gen planning. Commonwealth is working to consult. We have some great practices who've already paved that road. We, We learn from their experiences. We've helped them with that experience. So we have other practices who can benefit from that. So we are investing heavily in our business solutions, if you will, and helping them through that M&A and building out their enterprises. And that also comes with capital. Capital has become such a big part of the industry now. And we have a fairly sizable loan program where we act as the bank, if you will, and provide uh, loans for our advisors to grow their businesses because their equity is so valuable. And so often they have to tap into the equity market. They have to sell a piece of their business to be able to get some of that capital. And if you're growing fast, and especially if you're on the younger side, that's extremely expensive to do. But for some advisors, it's a great thing to do. So we've been also building out a equity investment program, which many other firms have as well. But we've really tried to make it advisor centric where they can buy back uh, from us. We just try and be good stewards of their yep. capital. So between the loans and the equity investments, some people do that as a business model. That's the reason for their business. 
For us, it's an accommodation for the advisors so they don't have to worry about it. We're in the business of helping them build great entrepreneurial practices. And we see loans and uh, equity investments as part of that, but it's not a way to try and control them, uh, if you will. And so really recognizing and respecting their independence through those programs has made us, I think, very successful in this regard. And we're really seeing a lot of rapid uh, growth there. Yeah, no, I think that if somebody said to me, sometimes that there's significant difference between creating a succession plan and creating an exit strategy. So a lot of times those things are coupled together, right? There's a reason to create a succession plan because you want to exit, but there's but they're actually two very different things with um, different options, I guess, with what they would, um, what you're, what you would do as an advisor in terms of um, selling your practice or bringing on a partner. And the other thing that I hear all the time, and I'm glad that there's solutions out there, is there's so many next gen advisors that want to own their own business, but mm-hmm. it's almost price prohibitive, right? It's expensive, uh, which is great for the existing advisors. I'm thrilled for them. Uh, they, they deserve it. They've built a tremendous asset. Um, but one of the things that I love what you said about the, the difference between succession and exiting the business. Um, one of the things that I actually, you know, I know Mark Bergeron and I know you had him on earlier, but he, he did a wonderful job uh, with you speaking about having a goal. And so that is just so critical. Too often, if you just start with a solution because you've heard about it or it's the path of least resistance, I can lead you down the wrong path. Starting with the goal of what you're trying to accomplish is critical. And that's where we really try and be a good partner with our advisors is don't always answer the immediate question, understand the need, help them form a goal, set an outcome, and then the solutions start to better present themselves. And so as we think about that, for some advisors, it is an exit and they're looking to make sure their clients are well taken care of. And they're just looking for a partner to help with that transition. But others, and both are great outcomes, uh, others are really trying to build a legacy and really trying to build something that sustains beyond them, but with really their culture, their imprint, their principles. And they want to see what they've built thrive long after they move on. And so then bringing the right solutions, the right uh, tools to bear, the right consulting is all part of that experience for them. And I, I guess the other thing I'd say that you know we see a lot is people just need to start that earlier than they would ever think. If, if, if you're 12 months out, it's going to be a lot harder and you're going to have fewer choices. I really recommend starting at least three years, if not five years out. And for, for some of the larger practices, that's just part of good housekeeping. You're doing that every few years through the you know entire life cycle of your business. Yeah, no, that's great advice and something that I know a lot of advisors, especially in a certain age group, which is really the the, the majority of the industry, right? We talk about it all the time. This uh, group of advisors that could be retiring and there'd be a mass exodus. I don't think there's very few advisors that I've spoken to that have really successful businesses. They love what they do. They're not going to, most of them don't want to leave until like they're, there's a health issue, right? But preparing for if there's a health issue, I think is what you're saying too, like making sure that you're, you've got your ducks in a row before it becomes um, a uh, incredibly uh, difficult time to actually get things done. So yeah, don't turn your own health issues or other challenges in your life into a crisis for your business as well. 
just because you have a succession plan doesn't, which is a form of insurance, doesn't mean that has to be your exit. But until you're ready to plan that, you should have something in place. Absolutely. Yeah. But I loved what you said about advisors. It's such a cool job. It's such a cool thing to own your own business and really be a part of your community in the way advisors are, because they really can extend their careers. And I think what the way technology has evolved, we're seeing more advisors extend. What's changing and what's a little bit different, which I love, is we're seeing some business owners who've run their business successfully for 20 or 30 years instead of selling their business and walking away, but they don't want to run the whole thing as well. That is a lot of work. They might have 150, 200 clients is they'll join a larger practice or they'll bring in the next gen and sell and maybe keep 50 clients and they're no longer the CEO, if you will, but they get to continue to do what they love. They get to continue to do a great job doing it and be a part of a larger practice or really set up next-gen advisors. I love how much advisors really paid forward and mentor and set up a lot of next-gen advisors to be successful. I haven't been too worried about the age crisis, if you will, because I do see a lot of people being attracted uh, into this industry, next-gen advisors, because it's becoming so much more about the people and the difference you can make. It's not just about investments. That's becoming, as we all know, more and more commoditized. That's where the pricing pressure is. But for advisors who really provide a holistic uh, solution and really focus on financial health uh, of their clients, uh, that's really attractive. It's rewarding. And a lot of different skill sets can contribute to that. So I actually feel very good about the future of financial advice and leaving clients in great hands with the next generation. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I had Hannah Moore on as my first guest of the podcast. She's the creator of the externship program. And one of the questions that she asks there of the, and the externship program is for financial advisors that are coming into the industry, either as at, from a university program or a career changer. And the number one reason they want to join this profession is to help people or to give back to their community. And so what you're saying is just spot on. And I had heard about that program from you. (laughs) But (laughs) I think that's a phenomenal thing that she's created and and, very exciting. It's incredible to find ways for younger people to come into the business where 20, 30 years ago, it was very cost prohibitive. And it was really the employee models that were training uh, advisors that was the way into the industry. And as that uh, has changed for a variety of reasons, which no reason to go into here, but (laughs) I'm glad uh, and thrilled to see people like that building programs to really attract uh, younger people into the business and career changers into it. And I I think financial planning and the the engines and the tools, it's a great way for someone to come in and add immediate value to a practice and get to start working with clients. So I I feel very good about the ecosystem. I think it needs curation and it needs investment, but I I believe we're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So one of the things that I I talk about a lot on this podcast is culture. Again, another thing that just keeps coming up organically. And it's obviously become top of mind lately, meaning in the last few years. But this was something that Commonwealth's founder, Joe Deitch, has been practicing and evangelizing since I've known him, which is well over 20 years. Yeah, much longer than me. Yeah. I've got all kinds of stories, right? So (laughs) yeah, no, just so forward thinking ahead of his time. Seriously. There's very few people, I've been in this business a long time, but there's very few people that I feel really had their pulse on 
the future like the way that he did and it building he, he still does <laughs> he's spending a lot of his time still looking forward but yeah yes oh i know so he really always had that there was a central theme which is the importance of culture and people things like that so with his vision as the leader at your organization how has that impacted both the success of Commonwealth as a firm, but also the advisors that have joined Commonwealth, that you select at Commonwealth as their partner? Yeah, it's such a big question that could dive into for some time, trying to think of a you know, <laughs> valuable way to uh, wrap it all up. And I, I won't be able to do it justice. But at the end of the day, I, I think it's really, it starts with seeing everyone as individuals and not just cogs in the machine for a greater purpose. That's mostly self-fulfilling or just benefiting a few. Joe wanted to build something that really amplified making profound difference. And that that idea that it really starts to have a domino effect. And I I I truly believe he's succeeded. Like one of one of the ways to encapsulate it. I, I didn't know this term before I got to Commonwealth, but servant leadership. I a, have a fraction of the knowledge needed to help our advisors, and B, I, you know, I have a fraction of the time. So I'm not the best resource on most things to help our advisors. I have 1,200 incredible employees who are subject matter experts who, as mentioned earlier, will run into fires and go find out the root cause issues. And my job is to make sure they have what they need to be successful and help our advisors. That's really how you know I, I can help make my profound impact and then really recognize and value them and appreciate them. And what that does is that radiates to our advisors. I mentioned the feedback tool earlier. And one of the great things I love that advisors take the time to do, we're mostly hearing feedback, how to get better. But at times they take the time, this happens every week, is they congratulate someone. They, they take the time to say, thank you. This person made a profound difference uh, in my day. And it could have been a little thing, but it was such a surprise or unexpected thing uh, that it had such an impact. And one of the cool things about that is the other side of the coin. So if you recognize and value people and appreciate them and reward them, it also creates unbelievable accountability. So I mentioned the 24-hour cycle that we're always trying to be responsive. People are want to be accountable. They want to solve problems. They want to help people. So that it, it just creates this wonderful effect where the community really feels obligated to each other. No one wants to let one of their peers down. No one wants to let an advisor down. And because they know the advisors appreciate it and the advisors take the time to share that, that's extremely meaningful. So one of the key parts too that makes it all work is, as I mentioned earlier, we have great advisors, love our advisors. I, I think they're wonderful people. That's one of the key criteria. You got to be primarily fee-based or on a journey to fee-based. You got to be client-centric, but you just have to be a good person. And we don't tolerate advisors that don't value and respect and appreciate what our uh, employees do. Now, if we have a bad day or someone isn't doing a good job, we want to hear, please be critical. That's how we get better. But ultimately, you need to respect and understand how hard our employees are working to help them succeed. And that really creates you know, both sides of the coin that makes such a critical community. It's appreciation and it's accountability. Yeah, I, I think that it's so, it seems so simple, but it's so important. It's just treat people. That's, that's <laughs> that like half the battle, right? Yeah. And you get so 
crazy sometimes because you're running the business and you're you want everything to go right and you're trying to grow and all that. But that many times uh, you lose sight of how you actually are going to grow. And that's getting the buy in of your people, which is what I think Joe did such a great job of is just really being that that presence of here's what we want to do at listening and being appreciative of the people around him and and getting their feedback on so many things. Yeah. Right? I love that. Love there, that. There's a great Peanuts cartoon, the Charles Schultz, Charlie Brown Snoopy cartoon, where I, I, I it's, it's Linus and he's asking Charlie Brown, what's the purpose? We're back to purpose again. Why are we here? And Charlie Brown, who I get jokes that I look like, and I've actually dressed up for Halloween, but that's for <laughs> another day. It says, I think we're here to make others happy. And it's just a very simple philosophy. But at the end of the day, I I think that's where people really draw their energy and satisfaction from. doesn't mean you have to be social or running around rallying everyone. But if you're making people happy in the way that works for you and and it's in a comfortable way, I just think that's a wonderful thing. And I think so many people, including myself, it's at my worst, it's when I've focused on the wrong outcome or the wrong thing and not started and focus on the people. So it's, again, we all have our bad days and it's something that sometimes I have to relearn that lesson, but I, I've never had a bad day and I've never not felt successful if I haven't just focused on the people. It, it works out. Yes. I couldn't agree more. We both, you mentioned leaving an impact earlier in your comments. And I want to touch on before we close out the in more and more advisors, especially next-gen advisors coming in, and then advisors that are that have been in this business a long time are really looking at leaving an impact on the profession. We both got to know each other by serving on the board of directors of the industry nonprofit yeah. Invest in Others. For those that are listening that don't know it, check it out, investinothers.org. It is an organization that rewards, celebrates, and highlights financial advisors for giving back to their communities in a meaningful way. And it's just some of the stories of what some of these advisors have done over the years to support charity work and being philanthropic is just one step short of amazing. So with that in mind, what would be a recommendation that you have from someone listening on how they can leave an impact in this industry? Yeah, I, I love the question. And I, I, I do want to pause though and call out that you are such a big part of Invest in Other Success. It's been around for well over a decade now, and it it's, has a tremendous mission. And it does spotlight on advisors who are doing amazing things. I'm always blown away, but to put it into numbers, uh, I'm a, uh, at the end of the day, I grew up as a finance guy. You helped grow that from a couple hundred thousand a year in donations and support, cross over a million the last uh, each year for the last several years. And so uh, that ability for the industry to not just celebrate, but then put donations to work, really supporting great causes, you, you are a huge part of. So thank you for that. And thank you for bringing so much to our industry. It was tremendous. In, in terms that there's so many things to do, but one of the things that I, I think is so critical and frankly, even more critical coming out of COVID is mentorship. One of the interesting things that we see with returning to the office and building careers is I think people found a lot of success and happiness by being able to work from home. And overall, I love that there's greater, more work-life flexibility in not just the industry, but in the US uh, at large. But 
one of the things that I do worry about from this is mentorship. Our, our interns, we have a great internship program. Our, the people who are hiring out of college, they're coming to the office more than we require. They want to be here. They're, they're hungry to learn and they're looking to people to learn from. Yep. There's so many ways to learn today and books and AI. It, it's just never going to replace having the inspiration and the experiences that a mentor can bring. So there isn't you know any one way uh, to build a career, if you will, but I do believe mentorship. Um, when you meet successful people, when you meet incredibly happy people, one of the first stories they always share is people who took the time to invest in them and inspired them. And I, I always love those stories. I'm a big reader of biographies and such because uh, so much of that is about uh, both who they learn from and then how they paid it forward. And so I just really encourage if people want to really make a lasting impact, I, I think mentorship. And you had mentioned a little bit earlier in, uh, when we were catching up about the ability to bring more diversity uh, into our industry. And I, I use that word diversity in every sense of the word. I, I think that really helps drive innovation uh, and excitement. It helps people recognize opportunities that they otherwise wouldn't see. Uh, but through mentorship, we can really help draw uh, on diversity as well. And I think that's a great lasting legacy to have. Ugh, I, I couldn't agree more. I'm so glad that you that was your advice because it's something that everybody can do. It's something that everyone can do yeah. and reverse mentorship, which is a Mark Tiberian spoke about too. But that mentorship is so critical. In fact, Heather Fortner was my guest the week before yours yeah. was airing. And she shared a critical question that her mentor asked her as she was, that has formed her way that she builds and runs teams, which is what if you, what if the only variable that you were being judged on from a compensation standpoint was how well you managed your team or how well you mentored individuals. If you think about, because sometimes it's not a paid thing, but if you think about yeah. what if you were judged as a good leader is how many people have you mentored? So I think that is such a, I love that. yeah, yeah so it, it's such a critical part of someone's journey is to either be mentored or to mentor. And one of the things that actually feeds into, and one reason people I think do, maybe whether or not they struggle at it, but take the time to do it is too often we're judged on short-term performance or outcomes versus long-term. But the more you invest in the people and the more you spend time, that exponential impact and value you're going to get out of that, a firm believer in. It, it, Commonwealth is lucky uh, to be private in that regard. But I, having been at public companies before, it can definitely work in any environment. You just need to prioritize it and then make, make the time for it. Yeah, agreed. Oh my God, so much great information. I'm, I can't believe we're at our last question, which is the same thing I asked everyone. With the title and the theme of the podcast in mind, focused on the future, what is your last line? What is the key takeaway you want to leave our audience with? And thinking about our industry and the opportunities we have, as there's so much change going on, <laughs> it's a big question, but is at the end of the day, if we can continue to focus on the people, and I mentioned the, the, the term earlier, but the financial health, another concept I love is the social wealth we're creating. It's not just uh, financial wealth, but social wealth. What is the point of all this at the end of the day? And if you're really creating peace of mind for people on the financial side 
and giving them the ability and the uh, opportunity to really pursue their social health and social wealth. That's just tremendous. As I think about how much is impacting and changing our industry and some things are threatening, some things are driving down the price, some things are trying to substitute for it. If you are doing those things for your community, the, the financial health, the social wealth, you're going to have an incredible practice. And so as I think about the future of the industry, I, I'm, I'm very excited. And that's something I want to be a part of. I love that. Yeah, the the purpose that what you were saying, a lot of that came out into your last line as well. This was fantastic. Thank you so much for being my guest today, sharing so many great thoughts with me and our listeners around all the important qualities in order that you need to have in order to really build a sustainable, profitable, and impactful business. I'm Suzanne Syracuse. Thanks for listening. And I hope this episode leaves you feeling even more excited to be focused on the future.